Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Stand with me. Praise the Lord. I feel the Spirit of God in here, don't you? So as we continue, let me explain that as I was sitting over there praying, that there's just a spirit of deliverance in the house. So what that means is I don't know what you're struggling with or what maybe has you captive, but this is a good morning to lay it down at the altar. But this is the thing, you're going to have to be brave. You're going to have to be brave. Father, our hearts are bowed to you in this moment, and what your Spirit's doing in the room, only you can do. And we bow our hearts to you, God. Illuminate our spirits with your word this morning. Give us the courage to do what we need to do, God, in order to be where you want us to be. We love you. We praise you. And everyone says, amen. amen. In the name of Christ, you may be seated. As is our custom, wave at your neighbor and let them know that you are glad that they're here. Thank you guys so much for being here this morning. We are in our second installment of God Has. And uh, it's been an amazing one so far. Last week, we talked about how God has a place for us. Ultimately, one day in heaven, we'll get to be with Him. But here on earth, there's some good things that God wants to be a part of. He wants to use our passions, our talents, our gifts that He's given us to expand His kingdom. And how many of us know that's good news? Amen. I will say this to be, to, to be as productive as we need to be in that position, there's some things that we got to cut loose off of our life. And, you know, nobody wants those things off your life more than God does. I'll be honest with you on that. Because he's got some big plans for you, how he wants to use you. But there's so many of those things that entangle us. Today I want to talk about, as we continue our series, simply this, that God has a second chance. This whole week I've been in prayer and praying, God, what is the theme? What do you want me to speak about? And it really came to me a couple days ago. God has second chances. How many of us can say amen? All of us have needed a second chance to start out with salvation because before we knew Christ, our life was not good enough to get to heaven. We couldn't be moral enough. We couldn't be educated enough. We couldn't be rich enough. We couldn't be good enough. It was only through the blood of Jesus Christ, didn't it? Amen. And then, but sometimes as Christians, we get in the mix of everything, and sometimes we even blow it then, don't we? And we need to go back and say, God, we're sorry, our faults, our failures, our sins, these things that we've opened up doors in our life to that maybe has set up residence for a bit. We've got to kick those dudes out so we can be on with what God is telling us to do. Amen? And this is the thing that I found out, that we can't do it alone. We need a Savior, and we need friends. I was at, uh, as Pastor Tanner said, I was at uh, Frontier City. And I'm telling you, I'm the old guy of the group, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm full. Yeah, Rod was there, so he's got me beat. <laughs> but the group that I was in, the group that I was in, I was the old guy of the group, man. And uh, the kids that I, w I were with, they said, uh, Matt, um, how, about, uh, how about you sit here and you watch all of our stuff and we'll go ride a lot of the rides? I said, that's awesome. And they were polite, like, are you sure we don't want to hurt your feelings? I said, me sitting in the shade watching some cycling while y'all go from ride to ride is not going to hurt my feelings. This is good. This is good. But it was interesting. I was talking to my daughter as we were about to board a ride, and it was just her and I. The rest of the group went up to do something real quick. And I said, do you want to ride this roller coaster together, just you and me? And she said, Matt, or she didn't call me Matt. We don't do that. She didn't call me, she didn't call me pastor either. She always calls me dad. So... <laughs> 
No, we were sitting there, and she goes, Dad, I think I want, what I want to wait for the rest of the group to show up because I want to ride it with them because it's just more fun with them. <laughs> I said, I understand that. You know, she said, it kind of gives me a little bit of encouragement to do some of these things when we have a group. I was like, I understand. About 45 minutes later, I was talking to my friend Rowdy, which was a part of the group, and he's a sixth grader going into sixth grade. And I said, and I was with him. The rest of the group was up doing something else again. I was about to board another um, ride with him. I said, hey, do you want to go ride this roller coaster? Can you believe he told me the same thing? He did. He said, no, I want to wait on the group to get here. It's much more fun with the group. It's a little easier to do it with the group. And instead of being offended, I walked away learning something encouraged in my spirit. You know, those kids understand something at a young age that we all need to understand. It's just easier when we go together and do it together. Amen. It's easier. You know, this is what I found out. The view is always prettier at the top when you have somebody to share it with. You know? And we need friends. We need Christ in our life and our heart. You know, it's hard to, to fix a marriage if both parties aren't willing to fix it. It's hard for a family to get out of debt when everybody's not on the same page. Amen? It's hard to fix any kind of friendship or any situation unless you have people working together and trying their best. So it's just easier as we go together. And today we're going to lean into the understanding that Christ is our greatest friend and we need Him. But we also need each other. You know, I was reading some scripture, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 through 23. It says, at the end of 23, it says, which is his body, talking about Christ, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We can stop looking. Christ is all we need. All we need. He is all and in all. And this morning, I just want to encourage you that as you're looking to maybe other things, don't do that. Do your very best to look to Christ because he is the one that, need, that will fill the need the satisfaction, the contentment, the desires that we have. We can plug that hole with a lot of other things, but it just simply won't happen. That's the reason why we're doing this sermon series that God has. God has that place, and God has second chances, and God has what we need and what we're looking for. He's writing to the Colossians. Paul is in chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and I won't read them all, but it's very interesting as we read verse 11. And verse 11 ends simply with this, that Christ is all and in all. We can stop looking. We need Christ. We need Him on our journey. We all need second chances from time to time. Can I get a hallelujah on that? We all fall short of the glory of God. Even after we're saved, we get to faults and failures and situations. The question is simply this, what are we going to do with our second chance? And this morning, as we talk about Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, we're going to look at him, and there's some things that we can see that if we will do the same things, we can make the most out of those second chances, amen, that God gives us that we can look back and say, yeah, I didn't have it right the first time or maybe the second time or maybe even the third time. But I want you to know, once I got the concept, the principle, and I got a hold of it, God began to do something in our life. Amen? And that's what he wants to do. Because second chances are gifts. It's something that God gives us and helps us understand. And we just want to let you know, we don't know your background and everything that has been going on. We want to let you know that we believe in second chances at Ray of Hope, don't we? We believe that God can take those lives and change them and do things. But we have to be willing to say, okay, I want to go the extra mile with Christ. I want to do what he has called me to do. So if you'll open up your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. We'll begin to read here. So it's talking about Zacchaeus. He, talking about Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, and it, uh, for he was about to pass that way. When Jesus 
And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. Now this is the leaders of Israel. Has, um, he has gone into the, to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone for anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, now this is key, today salvation has come to, his house, come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. You know, Jesus is on a mission, amen. He's on a mission to seek and to save that which is lost. And even sometimes in the midst of salvation, as we can misplace our place in Christ or have some things entangle us or blind us, at times we can lose our mission and lose our focus. And you know what? God's still an active part of our life to pull us back on the trail and say, hey, listen, you've got a little bit off here, but listen, my mission is still the most important thing and not our feelings, not our emotions, maybe not what we think is most important, but God directs us back and he says, listen, if you want my heart, then you must do what I say. But the amazing thing is he doesn't leave us, forsake us. He'll walk us through it time and time and time again. And sometimes that gets difficult. And we're going to talk about the difficulty of that. We're going to talk about kind of a couple different scenarios today. We're going to talk about how to make the most of our second chances. But we're also going to get really real that as we're um, walking through our second chance, that we make sure we guard ourselves against how people view us. And in some ways, it's okay that people have that view as we change because there are consequences to stuff that we do amen and in and, and character and we'll get to that character is something that's built over a little while so as we look at the story of Zacchaeus it's just interesting to me and I want to encourage us this morning what do we do with those second chances we all get them but do we really make the most out of them do we make the most out of them that way whenever God hands it to us as a gift we're saying listen I'm going to ring this for everything that it's worth a so I don't have to come back and visit this place again how many of us know that visitation is not always a good thing right sometimes I, I look at situations I'm like God I have been here long enough Enough, I'm ready to move on. And as soon as I gain that principle, that thing that God is asking me to, then I can move on, and you can too. Okay, so that's one of the major things. The other things is we need to be going on about God's business. He has things in our life that he wants us to do and be a part of. So the first thing here, just a couple thoughts and ideas here, is we have to respond to the leading of Christ. If we're really going to make the most out of that second chance that God's given us, not just the second life at salvation, which is awesome, which is wonderful, which is what we, what we endeavor to be a part of, but also we're walking through a situation as a Christian. We have a failure. Now God has given us another opportunity to come back and ensure up some sides. Does that make sense? How do we do that? Well, the first thing that we see in the story is we must respond to the leading of Christ. Christ will lead us, but we must respond. Remember, he won't drag us to a spot, he will lead. Luke chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. And when Jesus came to the place, once again, it was amazing because he was in a place, and he asked Zacchaeus to give up his place so that God, he could come down to God's place. But he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. It's one of those things where we must do our very best to God. What are you leading? I'm going to respond to your invitation. Salvation is an invitation, but it's not the only invitation. 
in Christianity, life gets difficult at times. Have you ever been in one of those situations where, man, you are just stretched to the max? You're like, God, I don't know if I can take another situation. I don't know if I can take another phone call or a text message. I got to one point in my life where I was going through so much turmoil that people would come up and start to tell me kind of dark stories or stuff like that. And I would look at them and say, listen, I do not want to hear this story. I've got enough on my plate. Go tell somebody else. That's very nice of me, isn't it? But I would because I had enough. One of the greatest tools for climbers is their rope. The rope is what secures them. If they're climbing up the side of a mountain and they misstep and they fall down, it's the rope that, that holds them that will keep them from falling and plummeting to getting severely hurt or even death. But even a rope has to have a, a, a period of relaxation. If you keep a continuous stress on a rope, what happens is it won't learn to be spring. It'll lose its spring. So whenever a climber is falling, there's no springing. Can you imagine all of a sudden just stopping and just jerking you and how painful that would be? But even a rope that's been well used over and over and over, if it has time to relax, then it'll, it'll still maintain the ability to spring. So it'll be able to maintain the ability to jerk and give a little bit. We're the same way as that rope. Sometimes we're stretched to the max and we're stretched out and we can't stretch any further. And what we need is a period that we draw back and relax a little bit and say, God, I need some spring in my step. God, I need some spring in my mindset. God, I need some spring in my emotions. And God's calling us to come back and withdraw. And he's given us that invitation. The invitations of the Lord are not just unto salvation. We need to respond to the leading of Christ. We need to respond to the blessing. You know, God will invite us. Listen, he will, say, he will speak to us and help us understand in the word of God that will speak to us and say, if you do this, then you're in this place with God and God can open up the windows of heaven and bless you. So sometimes his invitation is unto blessing. Sometimes he's leading us and saying, listen, you need to give here, you need to serve here, or you need to do this, but I want you in this place of blessing. There's also a place that he has of direction. Have you ever been in that place where you walk up and there's a fork in the road? It's maybe even more difficult than that. You don't know, there could be three different routes and you don't know whether to go right or left or straight ahead. All you know is you don't need to go back and we've all been there. Well, many times God will lead us to those places because it's a place of invitation. He wants to give us direction. He wants his spirit to speak to us and begin to lean us one way or the next. Sometimes we just simply have free will. And God is asking us to make the decision and he's, re, and he's letting us know that, listen, I'll be with you whatever decision you need to make. Sometimes it's not about where I go. Sometimes it's about what I do when I get there. And God wants to help us with that, but he wants to put us in that place. So his invitation might be to direction and, and his invitation might be to repentance. It's something that's not always shouted from the pulpits. It's shouted upon salvation. But how many of us know that we've all fallen short of the glory of God? Amen. And after. And, and sometimes God's invitation to us is for repentance. God will speak to us and say, listen, you've got some doors open in your life that you need to get shut because they're about to, to go from a toehold to a foothold to a stronghold. And then you're going to be in a mess. Or maybe they've already got to a stronghold. And if, if, if you've ever had a stronghold on your life, you know what I'm talking about. You're sitting there in your pew and you say, Pastor Matt, you don't understand. No, I understand. It's difficult. It looks like it's dark all around you and there's no way you can get out of it. You might do good for a couple days and then you get back in that cycle and this and that. But God wants to break that off of your life. He is into deliverance, amen. We're not just singing that God is our deliverer. We believe that Christ can deliver, amen. 
So I want to encourage you this morning. But that invitation is to repentance, and that's where it begins. God, I'm on my knees, and I know I did not do what you told me to do, or I know I opened up a door, or I know I did something I didn't need to do. And you know what? God's sitting on the outside of that saying, I can deal with that. I can work with that. What I can't work with is pride and hardened hearts. What I can work with is humility and hearts that are open to be leaded by, to be led by me. Amen? But we have to respond. We have to respond to his invitation. And sometimes that's just simply repentance. Zacchaeus, come out of your tree. We're going to your house tonight. This is what's amazing about that. Is that as Zacchaeus came down the tree, it said that he hurried. See, far too many times God calls us to do things and we don't have a sense of urgency about it. See, we live in a consumeristic society. And typically, whenever we go to the grocery store, whenever we go buy clothes, it's always there so we can put it off a day or two. And sometimes that bleeds into the church and sometimes that bleeds into our faith with Jesus Christ. He tells us to do something. He tells us, no, you need to go get this cleaned up or you need to go give this or you need to go do that. And for some reason, we all fall, we, we all do it. We think, oh, I can do that tomorrow or the next day. And we lose our sense of urgency. See, Zacchaeus didn't lose his sense of urgency. He climbed out of a sycamore tree and he wanted to go wherever God wanted to go. And this is the amazing thing about that. What Christ says, Christ says, I must go to your house. It brought me back to the scripture. This is how much Christ loves us. Remember, he came to seek and save that which is lost. Remember whenever he got lost at 12 years old? Well, he wasn't lost. His mom and dad thought he was lost. And he said he was in the temple and he was talking to everyone, talking to the priests and the, and the teachers. And what did he say to them? I must be about my father's business. Same verbiage that whenever he looked up at Zacchaeus and said, I must go to your house. See, deliverance and salvation and things that God wants to do in our life, that's the reason why he came, amen? And he must be about doing them, and that's what he wants to do. And there should be a sense of urgency in us that, God, whenever you speak to us about something, yeah, it's just a text message, I need to send it anyway. Yeah, it's just a small gift, I need to send it anyway. Do I really need to pull over on the side of the road and pray right now? Maybe you do because the Holy Spirit spoke to you to get it done now. A very powerful moment in my life, I'm driving a van on a Wednesday night to pick up some kids. Pastor Tanner hands me a podcast, or, or sends me a podcast, I'm listening to the podcast. And, and the, the, the person who's speaking is talking about how they're up underneath somebody who loves them and cares for them and, and wants them to grow and they're a part of a great church. And I remember thinking while I'm driving that podcast, man, what a great situation for that person to be in. And the Spirit convicted me and said, Matt, you're in that situation right now. You just don't realize it. I pulled over on the side of the road. I repented. I turned that van around and I came back and had Pastor Mike pray over me. There was urgency there that this thing had to be broken off my life. God, help my eyes to be open to what you want to do. And that's where he wants every one of us to be because we don't have to live in the darkness. We don't have to settle for the sin in our life, but God can break it and we can have the freedom. But we have to respond. We respond to his leading. The leading's not over at salvation. The leading's not just on to greater things. That's part of it. But sometimes it's, it's the leading is, God, I'm on my knees because I'm here again saying that I'm sorry, but I know that you love me too much to leave me like you found me. But we respond. Zacchaeus didn't care who was looking. I'm going to come back down on this sycamore tree. 
And I'm going to go where you want me to go. And the amazing thing about that is we see the same urgency in Christ is that I must. I must go to your house. I'm here on business. There's some things that I have to take care of. There's some things that I must do, Zacchaeus. And tonight, you're going to get a gift that you don't even realize that you're going to get. It's going to be salvation. You never know what's on the other side of that door as we lean into Christ and we're led by him. Amen. We continue here. The next thing that I see is just simply this, that Christ sees what others cannot and will not see. We're going to camp out here just for a second. Because we need to, one of the things that I think and I see in our culture is that we, extreme, we have a struggle with realizing that there are consequences for our actions. That we can't just act however we want to and it'll just be wiped away or, or things of that nature. That there really are consequences for our actions. There are things that we must embrace and things and situations will change. But that shouldn't stop us from wanting to change. See, Zacchaeus was in a situation where God saw what others could not see or would not see. And what we cannot do is we're on our process to change and transform into the image and the likeness of Christ. We can't hold it against others how they view us at times because as people, we can only deal with what we have to deal with. Can I get an amen? I mean, it's like this. I know that people got saved a week ago and that was real for them, but they have a life of destruction and now we're gonna have to kind of make sure that we're where we need to be, amen? That the change grows. Judge a person by their fruits and fruits usually don't grow in a week. It takes a little bit of time. It takes a little bit of change. It takes some difficulty. And here with Zacchaeus, he's in that same situation. I mean, think about it. He's up in a sycamore tree. God says, come, we're going to your house. What was he doing the day before? Was he at somebody's house collecting taxes? Not caring about the situation they're in? Not caring about the devastation that he's causing? He's just there in the name of Rome and he's come to collect what he's come to collect. And if they don't pour it out, then he's going to go to somewhere else and they're going to wind up going to jail or whatever. I mean, that's very difficult. And in our life, whenever we're changing, we have to give the atmosphere around us time to change as well. Amen? And people, people will, will bear witness with that. And we'll get to that here in a second. But if you look at Luke chapter 19, verse 3, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. See, there was something that was blocking his vision. In our life, there are sometimes things that block our vision, vision that are legitimate reasons, that block our vision from seeing people change and also sometimes seeing the change that is even happening in our life. That's the reason why we lean into Christ because he sees what nobody else sees. So we lean in, but at the same time, people can only deal with what they have to deal with. I mean, there was a legitimate reason why Zacchaeus could not see past the point that he was at because he was too small and he had to climb up in a tree. Some of the wounds that people inflict from past behaviors, those are legitimate reasons not always to see the change that's there. Amen, Pastor Matt. There's been some trust that's been broken, and you want your spouse, you want your friend, you want your, your, whoever it is to get over it in a week, it's going to take some time because there's a legitimate reason why that block is there. It's very difficult at times. But as a person who's trying to change, I cannot hold that against that other party because now I'm stuck in changing because now I grow bitter and I have unforgiveness in my heart as to just saying, God, you see what nobody else sees. 
Christ knew that Zacchaeus was there. It didn't matter that the whole crowd was in front of him and Zacchaeus was behind it. God saw what nobody else saw and he knew Zacchaeus was there. Zacchaeus didn't even have to climb up in a tree. That was more of a response from Zacchaeus that I want to see what's going on and I want to know who Jesus is. And at times in our life, we need to be where Christ is at and that may require us getting out of our seats and running to the altar and repenting and doing what we need to do or shutting down our activities of the day and saying, God, you've spoken to me and your thing is more important than my thing. But we're so busy. We have such a strong schedule so many times that many times our thing's more important than God's thing. And we miss. We miss as God passes by. See, Zacchaeus refused to miss. He knew Jesus was going to pass by that way, so he did what he needed to do. But Jesus already saw it. Jesus sees what others cannot see. Luke chapter 19, verse 7, and they saw it and they all grumbled. He has gone into the guest of a man who is a, he has gone, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Listen, it doesn't matter how you change. Sometimes people ain't going to want to see it even if they can see it right there in front of their face. Amen. Their hearts are hardened or whatever has happened and it doesn't matter. They're not going to change anyhow. Don't get caught up in that view. You let God work on their hearts. Amen. But just coming to realize that, listen, some people ain't going to change no matter what. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how many times you apologize. It doesn't matter if the change is real and all that other stuff. People cannot get past things, and you have to allow God to work on their heart. Don't let it stop us in the change that we're trying to do for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. We say, God, I'm going to continue to change. But also, don't get caught when people are cautious. When there's a little bit of apprehension shown there, especially if there's been some mistrust or some difficulty, we know that God is changing and doing, but there we also know the difficulty of that. Character starts at repentance, but character is built over time. Remember that. Character starts at repentance. Whether it's salvation or another position in my life, but like anything else, it's built over time. But the opposite is true. Character is built over time, but can be lost in a second. It can be compromised in a second. Because character is something that's built. It's a belief that people have. I mean, remember Zacchaeus, some of, the, some of the situation that people had in their life was Zacchaeus. I'm sure there was other opinions there in the crowd. Is Listen, he was living like a sinner. He was a tax collector. He was a traitor. He was against some people. So yeah, there were some opinions drawn. And one of, my, one of the most difficult things that I struggle with is, why do people always stereotype me? If you don't want people to stereotype you as foolish, quit acting foolish. Right? I mean, my goodness. Quit looking the part. That's what I want to tell people. Quit looking the part. No, we should not be able to look however we want to look. The Bible says to him that knoweth to do good and to do with bad to him it is sin to intentionally look like we don't need to look just to get a rise out of people. That's sin. I love you guys. I really do. <laughs> this is the encouragement. Remember, Christ sees what others do not see. Exodus chapter 14, verse 31. So we're going to talk Moses. We're going to talk Joshua. We're going to talk Paul real quick. Exodus chapter 14, verse uh, 31. This is the amazing thing. Christ sees the change and he's positioned you to where people around you will see that change that he, you've been promoted to in his eyes. Does that make sense? Let me, let me prove it to you. 
Moses has, has, is now leading the children of Israel. Israel saw, so this is verse 31, Exodus chapter 14. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians so that the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. The 10 plagues, is, excuse me, the 10 plagues has already happened. I mean, Jesus, I mean, Moses is on the other side of the Red Sea watching the Red Sea crash and all the Egyptians drowned and bad things happen. And it's at that point that they look and they say, okay, Moses is who God said Moses is. See, Moses didn't have to get up and say, I'm the chosen one from God, just follow me or shut up. Same thing in Joshua, Joshua chapter three, verse seven. Joshua's taken leadership, Moses has died. I mean, this is Joshua chapter three, some things has happened. They're, they're crossing the Jordan and this is, what Christ, this is what God says to Joshua. Today, I will exalt you in the eyes of Israel. See, the position had already happened. The change had already happened. But there was a point in people's eyes where they're like, okay, you're coming. I love Acts chapter 9, verse 2. Saul, not yet Paul, but will be Paul, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. It says this, yet Saul grew up, grew more and more powerful. And check this out. Baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. The one that he denied, the change was so real in his life that he sat before some of the greatest teachers ever. And all they could do is say, what he's saying is absolutely correct. I've just got to choose to believe the truth or not to choose to believe the truth. You know, the truth is the truth whether we choose to believe it or not, amen? But he was so convincing in his, and he was so passionate and people looked at him and said, he has proven that Jesus really is the Messiah. But if you look, if you look at it, it was amazing because he baffled the Jews at that point he got set up so continue to do the change that God is causing you don't get caught up in other people's views some of that stuff is going to happen don't get caught up and some people doesn't matter what you do they're never going to thank you who you're supposed to be anyways so the only view that I'm going to get is caught up in his Christ and as I change I'm going to let you set me up God because whenever you say to go it's going to go this is what James said in James chapter 4 verse 10 humble yourselves before the before the Lord and he will exalt you we don't have to do it. Humility is the key. I love Luke chapter 19, verse 4. He ran on ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree. He ran. I got to get up there, man. I got to see this thing about Jesus. Humility. You're a tax collector. People fear you. People don't like you. Now all of a sudden you're climbing trees. <laughs> but you know what I figured out? Whenever Christ is moving and we're responding, there's a lot of things that we'll do because we're going to lay down our pride and say, God, I know you're trying to do something. Now, this is the thing, God's view on us. So here's a couple of scriptures that will encourage you. Does God really see me? Does God really know me? Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. I'm just going to read portions of it here. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Others tend to see who you are. God sees who you are trying to become. See, people, we're not God. And we try to have as much foresight and leading of the Spirit as we can, but we're not. So many times, and I know that you guys have been there, you've made the best decision that you've had with the, with the information you had at the time. If you would have had different information, you would have made a different decision, but you didn't have that. 
God has all the information and all the knowledge and all the understanding. He's everywhere and he's looking at all times. So his view is the one that matters. And if the change is true, then it's amazing how God will begin to change your view in the eyes of others especially the ones who are led by the Spirit, who are called sons and daughters. You will have people come up to you and you will say, listen, the change in your life is real. You won't have to solicit it. You won't have to ask for it. You won't have to help, hope it will happen. You will have people come up and put their hand on your shoulder or look at you in the face and say, listen, you are not who you were, so please never go backwards again. And you'll walk away and your spirit will build a witness with that and you won't know how to handle it. For some, that might be the first time that you've ever had that happen. Some of you guys, man, you've been treading, you've been doing your best, you've been fighting the change, and you've been walking, and you've been thinking, God, am I even where I need to be? Am I doing what you've called me to do? And somebody will come up to you and say, listen, I just want you to know that I see the change in your life. I see your seriousness for Christ. I see how you don't speak like you used to. You don't act like you used to. You're no longer who you were, and that should give us a good amen. Amen. But we don't have to solicit those things. God will ordain those moments. But what we can't do is get caught up in other people's views. The view that we get caught up on is you, God, because I know that you're looking and I trust you. If you really want to gain the respect of others, the best thing that we can do is take responsibility for our actions. We all need grace and we all need forgiveness, but sometimes saying, this was my fault, I'm sorry, I did this. And then that change follows. But to make the most out of our second chances, we're in that place spiritually. And this is, this is the third thing here. Prepare to rebuild and rearrange. I love what Luke 18 verse, or 19 verse 8 says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone from anything, I'll restore it fourfold. Two different things there that we see. One thing, something physically is happening in his house. He's like, listen, I've got some stuff. I've got some material positions. I've got some things from my old life that I need to get rid of. I've got some things that I've opened a door up to, and, and now I need to get rid of them out of my life. And let me tell you, salvation, true salvation, will call you to change some things out of your house. You'll get rid of some magazines and some books. You'll get rid of some things off your screens. Amen. That's what true salvation does. But there's also a deeper part. He says, if I've defrauded anyone, see, defrauding is closely connected to deception. If I've ever deceived someone, and to the Christian, if I've ever been something to somebody's face and been something different behind their back, or God, if I've ever been something in my prayer room and then been something when I wasn't in my prayer room, that change happened. And to make the most out of our second chances, there's going to be some things that people have opened their doors to and their lives to. And you're going to have to get sitcoms off your TV. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to get some help on the internet or whatever it is. You might have to delete some social media. You might have to get rid of some things, get some accountability. Because you're no longer who you were and you don't want to live in deception. And God wants to break this thing off of your life. He wants to encourage you and move you forward. It's amazing what happens here in the last part, verse 9 and verse 10. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. 
The same thing, well done, now good and faithful servant, we all long to hear. But you know what we need to long to hear on earth? That God's salvation came to my house today. Not only in the spiritual sense, where my life is new, but God, as a Christian, I have my life opened up to some things and, and you've given me an invitation for my eyes to be open and see how destructive that is. So there's no telling what you saved my family from, what kind of devastation or difficulty. God, you opened up my eyes to how difficult this thing really is on my marriage. And it's really been me who's been prideful. It's really been me who has walked the opposite direction. It's really been me who's had the hardened heart. But God, now I'm sitting before you humble and, and, and my pride is thrown on the floor before you. God, will you work a miracle? See, that is also salvation and that matters. God, what do I have to have my eyes open so I can be the father or the mother that you've ordained me to be. Potentially, that salvation of bad choices that are influenced on kids that have broken off my life. Things that granddaddy and grandpa and dad or whoever dealt with, God, that you want to break off my life. He's still in deliverance, isn't he? And you're not too far. God's into second chances. But we've got to be absolutely serious about saying, God, I'm going to do the best I can and take advantage of this second chance or third chance or 16th chance. We've been there before, haven't we? <laughs> or 20th. It's okay. It's okay to ride the altar to heaven because <laughs> we made it to heaven. <laughs> but we can see deliverance. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.